Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. On Sunday, listen church, on Sunday, March 29, 2015, so a few years ago, okay, National Geographic Channel, I don't know if you remember this, but they premiered its adaptation of Bill O'Reilly's book, Killing Jesus. This was 2015. And 3.7 million viewers were watching. This was the channel's biggest um, audience in history. CNN's finding Jesus Ministries was also sustained this impressive viewership. Now, what happened was it spawned these amazing Google searches of Jesus Christ. It actually climbed up by 53%, actually leading up to the week of Easter. A likely result of both seasonal television programming and the approaching holiday. 53%, everybody was on there, boom, 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 boom. But the question that comes up, and I thought about it this week, is what do Americans believe about Jesus? What do Americans believe about Jesus? Who do they say he is? Well, there are five popular American perceptions of Jesus based on a recent Barna Group research. Five. Let me give them to you, okay? This is on a Barna Group research It says, number one, if you're taking note, the vast majority of Americans, the vast majority, believe that Jesus was a real person. The vast majority. And you you guys are shaking your head like, yeah, I agree. More than nine out of ten adults say Jesus was a real person who actually lived. That's 92%. While the percentages dip slightly among younger generations. Only 87% of millennials agree that Jesus actually lived. Now remember, this is, this is before, this is pre-pandemic, this is pre-COVID, this is 2015. Point number two, in this research, younger generations are increasingly less likely to believe that Jesus was God. Most adults, not quite six in ten, believe that Jesus was God. In other words, 56 Americans actually believed that Jesus was God. About one quarter say he was only a religious or spiritual leader like Muhammad or like Buddha. 26% said that. The remaining one was one in six that they aren't sure whether Jesus was divine. 18%. Can you imagine? This is in America. Number three, Americans, you and I, are divided whether Jesus was sinless. Americans are conflicted on whether Jesus uh, committed sins during his earthly life. About half Americans agree, either strongly or somewhat, that while he lived on earth, Jesus Christ was human and committed sins like other people. 52% believe in that. Number four. Most Americans say that they have made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, keep that in mind, okay? On the whole, America says they are still committed to Jesus. 
The act of making a personal commitment to Jesus, often seen as the first step to becoming a Christian, is a step that more than six in ten Americans say they have taken. And moreover, that commitment is still important in their life today. This is what this is this is Barna Research. Millennials are less likely, are much less likely than any other group to have made a personal commitment to Jesus that are still important in their life today. Fewer than half millennials say that they have made such a commitment, 46 only, compared to 6 in 10 Gen Xers. Two-thirds of boomers, 65, and 7 in 10 elders. So you can see a lot of people, okay? Number five, people are conflicted between Jesus and good deeds as a way to get to heaven. When given several beliefs about the afterlife to choose from, nearly, listen to this, two-thirds of those who have made a personal commitment to Jesus say they believe that after they die, they will go to heaven if they have confessed their sins and accepted Jesus as their Savior. Only 63% of that. Only 2% of adults report a personal commitment to Jesus said that they will not go to heaven. About one in seven admit that they don't know what will happen after they die. One in seven. I find that interesting. I find that interesting, and I'll tell you why. Last night, as I was winding down uh, on my recliner, I was watching the National College um, of Jeopardy, the, the, you know, the whole Jeopardy show of, the, of, of going to the finals. And for a moment there, they go and they ask each other, they say, hey, so what do you do? This is so-and-so, whatever school they represent, and I don't know if you saw it or not, but here's what I found. I found that one of them, and, and it just kind of piqued my interest, one of them was like, oh, yeah, 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 For on my off time, I had to study a course in religion, and I got to go to this place and this religious place and everything, and, and basically what she said is she lumped in Jesus with just all the other religious teachers. I was like, wow, okay, huh, huh. And then, and then the other one was like, well, we do this, and, and we study here, and, 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 and there's not any... Here's the real question. You ready? And this is the most important question we need to ask ourselves, because it's a question, and it could be a question between life and death. You go, what's that? The question, the real question for us today is, who do you say that Jesus is. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because the answer can be the difference between where you spend eternity. Okay, okay, now listen, listen. I don't know if you know this or not, but listen, I'm going to spoil. I'm going to spoil, okay? Spoiler alert. I don't know if you know this or not, but every one of us is going to live forever. We're all going to live. Now, you have to decide where you're going to live. You have to decide. But you will live forever. I am? Yeah. This is a stopover from where you're going to be. And again, the thing about it is that who is who is Jesus? Who do you say? Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, before I get ahead of myself, I wanted to use that as an intro, but remember where we left off last week, okay? Jesus, right now, is on an outreach to the Gentiles. 
And he's been teaching the disciples a lesson on go ye into the world, right, with the gospel. Now, we're in chapter 15 last week, but he's, he's sort of pointing them to chapter 28. Go into the world. Now, chapter 10 and 11, he was saying, go to, only go to the Jews. Go to the Jews first. But he's teaching them, and he's calling you and I that we need to go out into Lubbock, Texas. We need to go out into Texas. We need to go out into the world and preach the gospel. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. This is what we need to do. Now, it really should be a natural byproduct of the relationship you have with God. It should just flow out of you. It should be, I can't believe, why? We, we get so wrapped up and our minds get so blinded by some of the stuff and the circumstances and where we live that we forget what a great gift we have. And that's what he's teaching. That he's like, hey, listen, go into the world. And the object lesson, if you recall, last week was a Canaanite woman whose daughter, listen, was severely demon-possessed. Not just demon-possessed, but severely. Okay? So she comes to Jesus with with such tenacity, with such hope, with such confidence. And here's what I love. Moms, listen to me. With, with She comes um, that no was not an option. No, the text indicates she bugged the Lord. She bugged the disciples. They went in the house, she went in the house. Um, excuse me, what are you doing? I need to talk to the Lord. I need help. I need help. I love the heart of that woman. Why? Because I think that's really what we need to do. We need to go to the Lord with such tenacity that he's going to answer our prayer. We need to go with such hope. We need to go, listen to me, when it comes to prayer, we need to go with expectation that God is going to answer our prayer. But let him answer how he's going to answer, not what we think. Okay? Because sometimes we're counselors to God, aren't we? Well, Lord, let me tell you a few things. I see the universe a little bit different than you do, and I think this should... And those like, really? Well, Lord, if you, would just, if you would just work this way, then everything would be good. And the Lord's like, no, I'm going to answer my way. Well, she comes, right? And she teaches us an important lesson. If you weren't here last week, she teaches us that bread was but a symbol, if you will, of God's gracious provision to those in need. And I can relate because I need the Lord. I need the Lord. It's His strength that's in me, not mine. Not mine. And she teaches that. See, somehow, the precious Holy Spirit revealed to this lady in her need that Jesus was actually the bread of life. Look with me at verse um, 26 and 28 of chapter 15. It said, but when Jesus answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall after the master's table. And Jesus answered and said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. You see, the woman taught us a lesson last week. She sensed that the bread, again, was a symbol of God's gracious provision to those in need. That's why she pled with the Savior to give her a mere lapdog, just a scrap of bread. How does she know? Well, here's what she knew. She knew that what she was really asking for was the gift of grace. 
the deliverance of her daughter from the grip of Satan. She knew that. She knew that. Now, remember, she was up, she was up north. She was up by Lebanon, if you will, modern-day Lebanon. How did she know? She knew. And when she came to the Lord, she's like, I'm not going to stop until I get an answer. And so Jesus leaves her there after healing her daughter. Can you imagine her going home? Can you imagine the heart of a mama going home and her mom's like, Hi, Mom, where she was severely demon-possessed. She's in her right mind now. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? I don't think this lady stayed very quiet after that. I don't think she was like, Oh, my little, my little family, our little holy huddle right here. Amen. She was like, i got to tell people about this Jesus. But guys, it's, it's the same thing for us. When we got saved, when we got saved, that really was what we should be doing. Are you kidding me? If you take a moment and think about what you deserve, it's not heaven, is it? And yet Jesus comes and says, I know you deserve this, but I'm going to give you this. I'm going to let you co-reign with me. I'm going to give you eternal life in heaven. In heaven. And we should be so excited to share. And it may be a simple, uh, you might share a simple smile. You might share a simple, hey, God loves you. You might share whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your moment. But let me also too, you can minister to people by what you don't say. You can just, you can just love people. And let me tell you why. Because we're all mess-ups. And we've all been there. And God hasn't called us to judge and go, well, you're, you're a little bit more messed up than me. And, oh, no, you're, we're all met. We're, we really are. And so we should bestow grace upon each other. We're not condoning sin. Not condoning sin. Not going, well, you go ahead. But going, I understand. How many of you understand? You know exactly where you've been. Yeah, so that bestows grace on people and compassion. But never to condone and be like, no, you go sin, go ahead. No, because sin separates, sin's ugly, sin's awful. We looked at what David did in the, in, on, on Wednesday night. It was, ah. Sin separates us. It kills, it murders. So Jesus leaves there. And what does he do? He goes to the feeding of the 4,000. Remember, and this is Gentile territory. Okay, so he feeds 4,000 men, not including women and children. And once again, his disciples are like this. They really are. Now, we see videos on YouTube of the disciples walking along Jesus and they're talking. I think that most of the time they're like this. Uh, did, did you see what happened? How many of you would be, I don't even think I'm supposed to be in this group. I don't know how God, I don't, I'm, I, <laughs> I think I, I think I'm going to go home. The Lord's like, no, come on, come on. That, they're astonished. Why? Because here's what the disciples saw. They saw him feed 5,000 Jewish, not including men, not including women and children. Now they see him feed 4,000. And here's the thing that blows my mind. With leftovers. With leftovers. Now, we think, oh, well, every little person got a little piece of, okay, I got a crumb, you got a crumb. That's, that, it's impossible. 
The Bible says that they ate good. They were full. They're like, I can't eat another bite. That was a miracle. They saw this. They saw this. They saw this. Here's how I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, they saw this. Why is that important? Because we see the same thing in a spiritual level, and we still doubt. Well, did they doubt? Well, I don't know. Let's jump in. Let's, let, let's, let's see the story, right? Let's see the story. Here's what I would think. If I was walking with Jesus, and I was Jesus' advisor, okay? I'm his disciple, but I'm, I'm the key advisor. I would say, gentlemen, gentlemen, ministry has to be caught, not taught. Do you get it? You've seen him with the 5,000. You've seen him with the 4,000. You have some leftovers, right? And they would say, they would say, well, yes, Ben. And, and I'm speaking for Jesus, so come on, guys, get with it. Get with it. Ministry has to be, but, but, but wait, wait. Let's see what happens. Because I think we can relate more to the disciples than ever before. How so? Picking up our study, guys, we're going to see signs, leaven, and love. Let's look at the signs, okay? It says in 16.1, Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Okay? Now, we need to do some work here. We need to do some work here, okay? Jesus is still in the region, and um, he just finished this huge miracle. Okay? Um, this is reporter Ben at the scene. What did you see? Man, I saw that we didn't have enough food, but now I'm full. I don't understand. I mean, every time I looked in the basket, there was more. There was more. Are you kidding me? That's what you saw. That's what I saw. That's where he leaves. But it says here, guys, that here go along. Here comes the gang. Here comes the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I keep and, it, and I just go, these guys have a sixth sense of where Jesus was? You know, did they have GPS? You know, maybe a little tracker on the Lord? You know, it's like, he's, he's up north. Come on, guys, let's go get him. Now, we could find him because we have Facebook and we have Instagram and we, are, we live in real time. Oh, there he is. He's a, but they didn't. But they, they followed him. Every time I turn around, it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, they come... Guys, and, and, and instead of coming to praise him, coming to worship him, and they come testing him. Do you see that in verse 1? They come testing him. If you have a pencil handy, circle that word for testing in your Bibles. I want you to write in your Bible. Um, the Greek word is um, paradzo, paradzo, P-A-R-A-D-Z-O, and it means this, entice, scrutinize, examine, tempt, or test. That's what it means. You're like, okay, why do you tell us that? Well, think about this, guys. Think about this. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came. What did they come for? Well, they came to scrutinize, to entice, to examine, to test, and to tempt. Well, how would they do that? Well, notice what it says. How? By asking a very interesting question. You ready? Here's their question. Show us a sign from heaven. Show us a sign from heaven. Now, to you and I, reading it in America and the Western society, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Show us a sign. I've asked for signs. Okay? I ask for signs. I want God to show me a sign. Sometimes I ask for too many signs. 
I, and I go to the Lord. I said, Lord, an adulterous and wicked perverted generation asks for a sign. That's, I know I am. Give me a sign, please. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget, we're in Rio Rancho. 18 years ago, I'm an assistant pastor. I'm feeling like God's calling me out to Lubbock, Texas, and I'm driving down the road, and here's my sign. Lord, if I see a Texas plate, you mean you want me to go to Texas? Here comes a Texas plate. Oh, it's a Texas plate! Okay, is that really you, Lord? Because a lot of Texas love New Mexico. Okay, Lord, let me just make it a little bit. If I see a Texas plate and it says Lubbock on it, well, you know what God did? He brought me a Texas plate with Lubbock on it. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to Lubbock. So the next thing you know, Ben's a millionaire. Ken folks said, Ben, get away from here. Lubbock, Texas is a place you ought to be. So we loaded up the truck and here we are. But this is different. This is different. Why? Guys, l- listen, listen. This is different. They said, show us a sign from, help me out here, church. Say it again. Heaven. Show us a sign from, why is that important? Well, let me, let me, let me back up though. Okay, because they're asking for a sign. And I looked up the word sign, and it's, and it's an indication, especially ceremonial or supernaturally. So they're looking something just supernatural. But they're looking for it from heaven, from heaven. They don't want him to feed some, like, bread. They don't want him to, uh, you know, just, just, you understand. They don't want to go feed somebody, or they, they want it from heaven. Why? Well, first and foremost, I've got to be honest with you, we've got to laugh, don't we? We've got to laugh. Why? Because Jesus has been doing miracles all over Israel. Is, are you serious? Yeah. Show us a sign. I mean, I'd be like, seriously, where have you been? I mean, just turn on the news. Jesus is popular. He keeps telling people, don't say anything about me. Because it's his fame is spreading. But, but I want to show you something. I want to show you something. What's the reason for their question? What's the reason? It's going to get good. It's going to get good. The traditions of men. You guys remember that? Do you remember one of their tradition was, well, why do they eat? Why do they eat without washing their hands? Because they believed their tradition was that when they slept, the demons would sit on their hands. And then, then when they would eat food, the demon would enter them. Check this out. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, in their tradition, said that Satan could do all kinds of miracles on earth, but he couldn't do any miracle in heaven. This is what they believed. So they come and they go, show us a sign from heaven. Right? Show us a sign from heaven. Why? What do you think they're trying to do? Well, you remember a few weeks back, they were blaspheming Jesus by saying he was, he was doing miracles by Elzebub, by Satan. And now they're on the same path. Can I just give you some application? Can I give you some application for our lives? If you look at the tactics of Satan, he doesn't change a whole lot in his strategy. Everything's worked for him. Not a whole lot has changed. Why? Because he's been producing fear for over 2,000 years and will continue to do so. It's working. Now, he might change the method a little bit. It's the same tactic. Now, let me just say this to you, okay? This is just my opinion. I'm on the side of the pulpit. It's not the Word of God. It's just my opinion. What we're seeing today since, since March of 2020 up until today is really, it's a dress rehearsal It's a beta test for what's about to come. Please don't get relaxed 
things are not going back to normal. I went to Calvary today and Pastor said, it's my opinion. Things are not going to go back to the way you were, but we gotta, we've, we, we've, got to, we've got to live the way the Lord wants us to live even in these last days. Okay, so you go, what do you mean by that? You can see it, guys. You can see what's happening. You can see what's happening. If you go, well, I can't see it. This is crazy. Ask the Lord. Lord, show me. Show me what all this means. You see, if you go back to the Spanish flu and all kinds of other disease, we've, we've had these all the way. The, it's like the Lord's going, listen, I'm going to come back. I'm going to show you, and you need to be ready. And, and, and I'm going to prove it to you here in, in, in just a little bit, okay? So he says, so he says, show us a sign from heaven because we know that Satan can't do signs in heaven. And Jesus is like, okay, okay. But let me give you a side note. Let me give you a side note. Guys, over in Revelation 13, 13, it says the Antichrist, he's going to perform great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of, in the, in, in the, in the sight of men. Isn't that trippy? Isn't that trippy? In the tribulation, people are going to fall for the Antichrist because he's actually going to... Now, we don't hold that tradition here, but I know that a lot of people will follow signs and wonders before they'll follow the Word of God. If we had the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God on one side, and we'd have, we'd have a few people lined up, but if, if, if this one person was doing signs and wonders and calling down fire from heaven, we'd probably have a bit, oh, well, it has to be the, it has to be the Lord, because there's signs. It has to be the Lord. Look, look what he did. Where do we follow, church? Word of God. Because we know that Satan can do signs and wonders. And he's actually going to do call down from heaven. My prayer is none of us are here to see that. But we're in heaven. And we're, and we're eating our filet mignon at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Butter, sour cream. Taco on the side. Right? Little Italian, too. Let's have a smorgasbord of it. It's a buffet. I'm just telling you right now, it's a buffet. I love doing this right before lunch because you're like, stop. And now you're hitting your husband. Where, take, where are you going to take me? So let's see the response. Guys, look at the response. Verse 2. And he answered and he said to them, When it's evening, you say, It'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign from the prophet Jonah. And he left him and departed. You know what he says? He says, Mike Shaw, you know how to give us the weather report, but you can't tell that it's the end of the time? That's basically, he goes, you guys know, you guys look outside, and you go, oh, oh, I think it might rain today. I think it might rain today. He goes, you guys are hypocrites. You guys are hypocrites. You see, here's the thing, guys. The Bible tells us that we, no one knows the day or the hour. Can I get an amen? amen? So nobody should be predicting the return of the Lord. Nobody knows the day or the But we do know the seasons. We do know the time where it's like, oh, the sky's red. We know. And we can see it. We can see it through all of that's going on. Let me tell you. What did Jesus tell us in Matthew 24? He says, do not be deceived. So the one thing the enemy wants to do in the body of Christ is deceive us and divide us. 
You can see that. You guys know how to predict the weather. But you guys can't see the signs? Oh, as a matter of fact, let me tell you the sign. And he's already told them this before. He told them this in chapter 12, which the Pharisees don't get. But he says, you remember? Do you remember Jonah? Do you remember what happened in Jonah? Jonah was running from God, right? He was running from God, like Forrest Gump. He was running from God. And he ended up in the Mediterranean Sea, and there was a huge, I mean, just this huge storm, and he's like, throw me over, it's me, it's me. Well, you realize that if you throw somebody over in the middle of the ocean, chances are they're not going to live. But what happened? God created salvation. See, some, sometimes we think that the sea, that the fish was judgment when it was actually salvation. You guys tracking with me? Because he would have surely died, and he knew it. He said, throw me over, it's me. And the, and the fish came, and it, and he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, and that's what the Lord means. He says, I'm going to spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. That's the sign you're going to get. What happened? It went right over their head. It went right over their head. And, and, and again, think about this. He says, guys, the same thing. And he goes, but by the way, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He says, look at the word of God. This is the sign. This is the sign. And then what does he do? He leaves. He leaves. Don't you love the heart of the Lord? He's not going to argue with those who, who, who are spiritually blind. He's not going to argue and go, but no, listen, listen, listen to me. Listen, Linda, listen. You know, he's not going to do any of that. He's, he leaves, and I love that. But his game's not over. Look at the point number two, leaven. Let's talk about leaven. Verse five. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, <laughs> they forgotten to take what? Your bread. We're on bread again. We're on bread. Now, if I was Matthew writing this, um, I probably would have um, forgot this little detail. Okay, I would have wrote it like this. And when the disciples had come to the other side, why? Why would he write they forgotten to take bread? Well, again, think about that. They were without bread a couple of times, and Jesus proves to them that he is the bread of life. And it made me think, in my walk, in your walk, how many times when, we, when we're stressed out, do we revert back to habit? We go back to those old habits, right? Right? Because it's two times they're like, we don't have any, Craig, we don't have any bread. We don't have any bread. Here's a little boy. We don't have any bread. Oh, everybody's full. Wow, cool. And then another time in the Gentile, well, we don't have any bread. There's a little bread. There's a little bit of little fish. I don't know what. Oh, everybody's eaten. And then he goes, um, the disciples forgot bread. And I just feel like there are times, guys, when the world begins to squeeze us that we revert back to our old habits of doubting. And, 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 our, old, and, and our old habits of, of complaining. And our old habits of, we don't have any bread. Are you guys with me? And yet, I was thinking, no, 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 no. Here's what we need to do. We don't need to revert back to that habit. We need to let change really set in. The change. 
You see, because the next line Matthew should have said was, it's okay, because we have Jesus. Mike, you forgot the bread, but it's okay. Jesus is the bread of life. Kind of happened to us yesterday. On Wednesday night, I was like, Mike, you got money for the burritos. You need to bring the burritos. And then I talked to Joe on Thursday, and Joe's like, no, that was me. I was like, ah, guess what? We ended up with more burritos. Hallelujah. Everybody got, everybody got more burritos. Jesus is the burrito of life. I'm telling you right now. He's just, we had, but, but that's, what, that's what it should have been. But notice what happens. Notice what happens. Then Jesus said to them, we forgot bread. Uh, take heed, he says, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because we've taken no bread. It's because we don't have any bread. Why is he? But Jesus, being aware of that, said to them, oh, ye of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you've, you have no bread. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? How is it that you don't understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Don't you love Jesus? I'll tell you why. Jot this down if you're taking it, because I think it's important to us. What's that? He often jogs our memories of who he is. When we pray, the Lord says, hey, don't you remember? Don't you remember how I walked with you through that? Don't you remember? Guys, every one of us, including myself, have walked through difficult times. Whether it's cancer or COVID, whether it's a prodigal or whether it's, I mean, and the Lord reminds us, I've been there with you. Don't you recall? And we should go, Lord, you are the bread of life. You're the bread of life. Why, why did I doubt? Why did I doubt? Pastor Ben, I got a question. What happens when I'm walking with Jesus and, and, and the Lord takes my husband or the Lord takes my wife? The beauty of Christianity is, yes, it hurts for us down here, but we'll see him again. And I love the fact that the Lord will wrap his arms around you and walk with you and comfort you in those times of need. That's, what I'm, I'm, I, he's, that's who he is. And then when you're hurting and you're broken and you're going through some stuff, he says, hey, do you remember when, I, when, when we didn't have any bread and, and I fed the 5,000? And you go, oh, yes, Lord. And I love the fact that he's not scolding us. He's lovingly reminding us how good he is. But the disciples, like us, still didn't get it, right? Because think about last week. We learned that bread is, is kind of the key to understanding all of chapter 15 and, and what bread meant to the people. Bread meant nothing to the Pharisees or the scribes other than to serve as a pretext for accusing them. We saw that in chapter 15. Their minds were so fixed on their traditions that, what, that their eyes saw nothing but unwashed hands. We saw that. The disciples, well, they think of bread as food at that moment, both all three times. We have any bread. 
I don't have any bread. I don't have any bread. The disciples could think of bread only in the most stark and literal terms. And you go, Ben, what does that mean? Well, in the Lord's discourse in the bread of life in John chapter 16 and his warnings concerning the leaven or yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it went right over their head. You can imagine being on the boat. Hey! We got on the boat, we forgot bread. Right? I told Paul to bring the bread. It's his fault. Paul, where's the bread? Well, I told Joe. Well, Joe, where's... Where, where? Oh, must be Anthony's fault. Yeah, he's the new guy. We'll blame him. They, they're missing it, guys. They're missing it. Look at verse 12 with me, guys. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? Now, here's what you need to know. Whenever, if you're taking notes, whenever leaven is mentioned in the Bible, it's mentioned 22 times in the Old Testament, 17 times in the New Testament. It always or almost always represents sin and evil. That's leaven. Leaven in Scripture has always been a type of doctrine, but not good teaching doctrine. That's leaven. Now, think with me for just a moment. Whenever you use yeast, okay, any bakers in here? Any, any, only one, two? Bread bakers, bread, bread? I'm not talking though, the, I'm not talking cheating like we do now. I got a bread maker, I just, there it is, bread. No, I'm talking about old fat. What do we have to do? We have to take yeast and put it in the bread and you would see it and it was just a little lump like this. Well, what happens? Once you put the leaven or the yeast in it, it starts to rise. It starts to rise. It gets puffed up. And really what it is, is it starts to rot, doesn't it? Until you cook it. Anybody, are you guys tracking with me at all on this? And you go, why? Because think about this. The religious teachings, teachers and the teachings are the same. Why? Because they were rising in pride. Look at me. Look at me. You, there is an odor to it. There's an odor to, to yeast and, and leaven. And also, too, it puffs a person up. So the disciples go, look at me. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is quite opposite. Why? Because, because he calls us to be humble. Humility. You know what that means? It means down to earth. That's what humility means, down to earth. You don't think anything of yourself. You're down to earth. But we have an odor, but it's not an odor of yeast. We smell like Jesus. Isn't that beautiful perfume of being with the Lord? Hey, you smell like Jesus. You smell like, wow. Wow. Now, the thing that comes to mind when I think of smelling like Jesus is, have, have you ever smelled right after a rainfall? How, how amazingly... Ah, now, in Lubbock, forgive me, but we have angry rain. Okay? It doesn't just rain real nice and then smell real good. It's like, Rah! and then we like, ah! I mean, that's, that's Lubbock. But there's other places that we've been that, that it's rained really nice, and you go, 
And I, and I think that's how people should, should smell us. Oh, you've been, you've been with Jesus. You, you smell good. And you see, we don't, we're not puffed up, but we actually put other people first. You see, that's what the Bible says, that we need to esteem others higher than ourselves. Is that not a task? To esteem others higher than ourselves? That's what the Word of God says. Hey, you're first. You first. That is so foreign to us. So foreign to us because... It's always been about me. It's always been about me. Let me challenge you. If you go out to lunch and you go out to a place and they say, hey, how many? And you say, three for lunch. I said, it'd be five or ten minutes. And then you sit down and you're, you're talking and you're watching. How, how many of you really pay attention to who else comes in after you? Come on. And what happens is if you see them come in after you and they get a table, your flesh gets involved a little bit, doesn't it? And normally I tell my wife, honey, did you see? Did you see that those people came in after us and they got a table? What gives? And I say, I'm going to go tell them something. She goes, no, sit down. She's, she's good for me. Trust me. But then if I see another person go by, that's it. <laughs> hey. Did you eat that day? Yeah. Were, was it a minute or two? Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's Paul. I'm going to use you, Paul. Okay, forgive me. Here's Paul and Lisa. And Lisa's like, Paul, just it's okay, it's okay. Four people have gone before. He put his name down. He's already been waiting 15. He's hungry. And so he says something his hand on his hip and he says, listen here, lady. We have been here. And then they look at him and go, oh, you go to Calvary Chapel Church? We blew our testimony, didn't we? we blew, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, yeah, that's happened. Before. But we blow our testimony. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be loving. I don't be loving. Jesus says, hey, listen, listen. Beware of the false teachings of the, of the Pharisees. Beware of the, the traditions of men, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware. And now we go to our final point, love. Love, look at verses 13. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, who do men say that I am, the son of man am? So they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, here's what you need to know. Um, I don't think anyone has gone with us to Israel. Um, Adam and Tiffy are in there, and Tamri's not here today. But if you go to Israel, you can go up to It's a beautiful place, Caesarea Philippi. Now, there's two Caesareas, you'll see. There's a Caesarea by the sea, okay? And this is, the, this is what I call the internet, because Caesarea by the sea was where the ships came in, and that's where Paul was prisoned, and he would get the gospel, and it'd go out to the world. But Caesarea Philippi was up north. It was named after Philip. It was, it, was, it was just this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. And it was surrounded, guys, by mountaintops and, and, and this beautiful green. It has the, the Jordan River coming through it. It's, 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 it's incredible. 
So a couple of things that you need to understand so you can understand the scripture. Up at Caesarea Philippi was something called the Gates of Hades. The Gates of Hades. And the Gates of Hades or the Gates of Hell was just this big cave, um, probably at the size of the two, of the two rows, real big. And, and there's water in it. And they used to say, tradition said, they call it the Gates of Hades because this was the Jordan River and it went all the way down to Hades. And what they would do in the gates of Hades is they would take sacrifices and they would sacrifice babies in there and they would, this is how they, and it was called the gates of, gates of hell. The gates of hell. And so you could go up today, you, I've gotten this close to it, I've taken pictures over there. But the second thing you need to understand is along the side of this great cliff, you got this, you got this giant cliff, this, this hole in the ground, and then you got this amazing cliff here, and what they would do is it used to be big temples, it used to be worship temples. And then they would carve out little areas and they'd put their little idols up there and they would worship. They would come up to Caesarea Philippi and worship. And worship all the way across. It was false worship. And I, and, and I mean, I don't have time, but there's so much. I mean, it's the God of Pan. And there's so much about Pan, where we get Pan, everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a half goat, half man. I mean, it's, there's so much. Um, but this is where they are. There's this bedrock inlaid with idol worship. And Jesus brings the guys to this place. Now, let me say this. It's equivalent to do this. It's like the Lord going, hey, you guys are my disciples. Let's go to Vegas. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. You go, why? Because it's Sin City. And now, if you were a disciple, you'd be like, why are you taking us to Vegas? I mean, this is, no. You know, it's like, no, Lord, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go where there's prostitute and sin and gambling and all the things that are going on in Vegas. That would, or New York. Let me just say, another would be New York, too. I mean, it's just, you understand. That would be a clue. No, no. This was, this was, this was Caesarea Philippi. But he brings them up because the Lord is doing just a, a great object lesson. Why? Because he asked them, he says, who do men say that I am? Oh, hey, who, who, what are people saying? And they go, um, some say you're John the Baptist. Oh, okay. He goes, oh, oh no, 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 no. Some say you're Elijah. They, they, they called him Elijah because he did miracles. So they're going, Elijah did miracles, they tie him in. You guys with me? Oh, no, 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 you're Jeremiah, because Jeremiah brought a judgment message. Do you remember that? Or, or one of the other prophets. And then he turns and he makes it personal. He said to them in verse 15, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Here's what you need to know. If you're taking notes... You can write next to this. This is in the historical present. You go, what does that mean? It means it's, the still, it's a question still valid for today. It's a historical present. And so what he's saying to you and I this morning is, who do you say Jesus is? Because some people might be going, I think he was a good man. Uh, much like the Barnard Research, I think he was a man who lived 2,000 years ago. I don't know. Some people go, no, 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 I think he was a miracle worker. I think he did very good things. He was a great humanitarian. Or he was a prophet. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Son of God? The Savior of the world? That's a great question for us to ask.
who is Jesus to me? And I'll tell you why. Because, because Christianity has become weaker throughout the ages because there are many people who claim to be Christians that aren't. And so we have to redefine it. I need to be a fully devoted follower of God. I need to be a disciple. That's who you are, Lord. Because, because if I claim that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, then my life should look different. Simon Peter answers, you are what? The Christ, the Son of the living God. Way to go, Pete! Way to go, Pete! And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. I bet Pete's like this. Do you hear that, boys? <laughs> I hear from God. Way to go. Way to go. And I say, good job, Peter. You heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. You heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail it against it. So everybody would have went, Wow. Wow. That's so cool. But we have to do some work. Guys, look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Find it in your Bible. Highlight it, because here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle the name for Peter, okay? Because the Lord looks at him and says, you are Peter. And you go, what do you mean? Well, the word is Petros, and it means a rock or rock man, okay? He was the original rock from WWE. He's the rock. And Peter said, can you spell? No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But it was rock man. You got that, okay? That's the, that's the name. But Jesus says, now move a little further in verse 18. He says, you are the rock man. You, are, you used to be pebble, but now you're rock. He said, and on this rock, see the word rock right there in your Bibles? Circle that word. Why? Because it's a different word. It's actually the word Petra. And it means a bedrock of foundation. Two different words. Here's why. Because... because People have taken this verse out of context and said that Peter is, you're going to build a church on Peter. And that's not what it says. So we've got to be careful. And so now you have people say that Peter was the first pope and all of this stuff. But, but the word says, no, no. He says this. He says, listen, you are the rock man, and upon this foundation... I'm going to build my church. This is the first time church is used. Now, remember, this is New Testament, so there hasn't been a church yet. He says, this is, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades and the false worship and the traditions of men are not going to prevail against it. And here's what you could say. I love the promise of the Lord. Why? Because 2,000 years later, we still have the church of the Lord. It, it's, it, I mean, and again, he said, listen, it's the, hell's, the gates of Hades, the, the, the tradition, all of the lies aren't going to, aren't going to affect my church. The false worship aren't going to prevail in the churches around today. But what we need to understand, guys, he says, I also say to you, you are Peter, and upon the statement, what was the statement? That you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation. That's where we build our lives around, church. As disciples, we build our lives that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's not... Just a prophet. 
He's not just a man. He's not just a good worker. He's not just a human. He's not any of that. He is the son of the living God. And if you have problems today, stresses, concerns, he is the ultimate healer. Don't run to the pastor. Don't run to the church. Don't run to somebody else. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Notice what the Lord says, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, again, people have taken this out of context and go, Oh, well, now I can walk around and I can bind things. And, 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 well, and here's what they tend to do. Now, listen, my opinion, standing to the side, okay? There are a lot of people who can feel like they can bind Satan. And I say, if you can bind Satan, do it once and for all. Because I'm tired of him bugging me. But textually, he says, I'm giving you the keys. What is that? If you have a pencil handy, that just simply means authority. He's going to give authority. It's a picture of authority for both Peter and us. But I like to revert to Scripture when it comes to loosing and binding. Do you recall Michael the archangel and Jude? Do you remember what he said in contending with the devil? He was disputing about the body of Moses, dared not bring an accusation, a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So when it comes to binding and loosing and rebuking, I go, I'll let the Lord do it. I have authority in his name. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. I just want to stick to the word of God. I think it's safe when facing enemy attacks. The Lord rebuke you in his name and his power. In the name of the Lord. I don't have that power. It's the Lord. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Now, as we close, we learn this. Look at verse 20. And he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Can you imagine? He goes, shh, don't tell anyone. Genevieve. Don't tell anyone, okay? But yet, he's telling his disciples, and, um, but it's a big difference from today, is it not? Because he says, listen, I told my disciples at that point because there was, there was something local going on, but here's the command. I'm telling all of y'all, go and tell people about me. Huge difference, huge difference. Can you imagine if we took this scripture out of context? What do, could, we go, well, how come you're not evangelizing? How come you're not sharing? Uh, well, because uh, Matthew 16, 20 says, and he commanded the disciples not to tell anyone he was the Christ. So, I mean, I guess he's good. That's not, we, we can't pull a verse out of context. We need to go, what, is the whole, what does the whole book say? Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Guys, listen, listen. How do we tell people about Jesus? How do we tell them about Jesus? <sighs> Live your life so radical for him that people all over the place will be asking you. 
You see, sometimes we feel like, okay, well, Pastor Ben's twisted my arms. I've got to go tell people about you. I've got to go share. That's not what he's saying. He's saying live your life. And when you're giving your money away and when you're sharing and when you're, when you're blessing people and, and, and the people are just like, people don't do that. What is wrong with you? He goes, listen, I love Jesus. I love Je- What do you mean you love Jesus? I love Jesus, but I don't do that. Well, let's talk. Let's chat. Let's see what's going on. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Let's see what's happening. Listen, I think it's okay lovingly to tell people at times, I don't know if you're saved or not. Well, why would you say that? Because, because if they're not saved, it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. And I don't want anybody not saved. Guys, it's a matter of eternity. And what we do here has to solidify our hearts to go, okay, okay, Pastor Ben said, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I, signs, when it comes to signs, I'm going to stick to the Word of God. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, Eva, did you see this sign over there? I'm going to stick to the Word of God. That's cool. Amen. But I'm going to stick to God's Word. Oh, okay, okay. Well, what about leaven? What about the leaven of the Pharisees? What about the corruptness in the church? What about this? I'm going to stick to the Word of God. I'm going to stick to the Word of God. What about love? Who do you say that I am? What about love? I'm going to stick to the Word of God. That's what it is. We have the Word of God. Do you realize this is a love letter to you? This is your love letter. And God wrote it for you. And it's so great. So great. So who do you say Jesus is to you? Who do you say? You gotta answer that question. And I say that because it's time to come home. It's time to get saved for real. It's time to be right with God. Father, we thank you for verses 1 through 20. I feel like I'm walking with you so close, Lord. I love how you, Lord, just how Peter confesses. Lord, I find it, I find it funny in a way, too, that Peter, he hears from, from the Holy Spirit. And next week... Lord, you tell him to Satan get behind me. I love Pete. But Lord, what we learn today means nothing if we're not saved. If we've if we've if we've just put you in a category like the like the research and we said, Well, I don't know and I'm not sure and and maybe today through the power of your Holy Spirit you've already been affecting hearts. And so, Lord, with your permission, I'd like to give an invitation for anyone who would like to say yes and make the decision to come home. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe God has been speaking you, to you tonight, this morning. And, um, and as I was speaking and we were talking about leaven and we were talking about false doctrine and we were talking about religion and we were talking about signs, Maybe today you realize something. 
you realize that, Pastor Ben, I don't have a relationship with God like that. I feel like I'm miles away from Him. Let me say this to you. If you're here today or you're watching online, it's not too late. Because here's the thing. You're one decision away from coming home. But God's love is never going to force himself on you. You have to make that decision. You go, Ben, what do I have to do? Well, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to lift your hand. And you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to be right with God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to repent and follow him. I've counted the cost, and I'm ready to come home. And if you lift your hand, nobody's going to see you, but God will see your heart. And this is the most important time in the service. to Make sure you're right. Make sure you're right. If you're watching online and, um, and you just happen to be passing through, hey, just hit the comment button. Just, just say, pray for me. I, I want to do that. But with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say this morning, Ben, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to ask God to forgive me of my sins. I'm ready to follow him. I'm ready to give my life 100%. I want to be his disciple. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up right now? Would you just say, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone saying, okay, I'm ready. I want God. Anyone else? This is between you and the Lord. Just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. You've been running from God, and he's pulling you right now. He's saying, it's time to come home. It's time to come. Don't let pride, don't let pride get in the way. Just, you're, you know where you are. You know, you know how far you, you are. Might, might be from God, but today you're time to come home. He's so gracious and so loving. He's standing with his arms open wide and saying, yes. Would you lift up your hand? Would you, would you say, I'm ready. God bless you. God bless you. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised, Lord. I thank you that you're saving people. I thank that you're speaking to people. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that those who lifted their hands would say yes to you. They can hear you. And then, and, and I would say, much like you did, flesh and blood did not reveal this to them, but your spirit and their need for you. So save them, God. Bring them into a place where they can follow you once and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Let's worship. Amen, 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 amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.